adjust your podcast. I am in control. <laughs> this is the do not attempt to adjust the vertical and the horizontal. I, it is me here on this podcast. Hello. It's We Were Gamers. Nice. I am JJ. This is episode mm, great question. 198. Nice. He's doing the good thing. Is that right? That's the way you host, dude. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Don't know the numbers. I'm here with I'm here with Andrew. Hey, 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 hey. I apologize for my mic, by the way. I am uh, 197. 197. Oh, okay. oh yes. Man. So close. So close. I'm on the road. No corrections. Oh. oh man. I, well, I'm at an undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> on, on assignment. Yep. Yeah. But it's good. So I don't have my normal mic, but I'm trying out this idea of uh, this headset thing that I bought. So hopefully it's good. And we also have everyone's favorite podcaster, Michael. Hey, everybody. You weren't recording. He's the soft one. <laughs> As opposed it's, to the doughy one. That's, hey, hey. Hey, he labeled himself hey. that one. Oh, that's true. I did. <laughs> uh, look, I really, in not at all the spirit of this podcast, there's like video games that I really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And... I feel bad for hosting this week because now I'm going to turn this into a video game podcast. What's wrong uh, with that? I don't know. It, does anyone have any like other like life stuff we want to talk about before we get into video games? Um. Hey, yes, I do. I do want to have life stuff I want to talk about for half a minute. Rad. JJ, I have to shout out you on this podcast. Why, thank you, Andrew. I, uh, I I called <laughs> Michael. I, I I called him multiple times in the middle of a workday. Okay. In, in a blind panic about the dumbest things when it comes to Cat Six Cable. Anyway, I thought it was all fine. We were test we were texting some, and I was like, oh, like you know, I was just throwing you some like here's a link. Like you look, this stuff isn't that hard. You're probably fine. And then. And my phone, phone my phone rings at like ten o'clock or something. I was I don't remember where I was a meeting or something, and I was like I can't answer this now. I'll talk to you at noon when I'm on lunch. Um, yeah, and then I called him back at lunch, and is was this when you were trying to figure out between like the A and the B side or whatever? This yeah, this was the the main call was the A and B side thing. The texting was later about. Which direction to point the jacks up and down? And say don't they're not marked. They are, it turns out, marked by the way they fit in the jack. Anyway. Uh but it turns out it doesn't matter. You can install it upside down, no one's gonna sure, care. You know, the only advice I saw that made a little bit of sense, so I did it, was install it with the little um catch release, the I guess is what you would call the it. The little tab, yeah. Tab pointed down so the pins are up and you block dust from landing on the pins. Yeah, it's a decent thought. It's, it's a, a theory that it, I was fine to abide by. It is a similar thought to cords that have the three prong should be installed upside down so that the, the third prong is on the top so that the cable is not pulling the thing out of the... Oh, due to weight. ...socket, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I was taught by electrical at my company, um, electrical engineers. They're like, oh, see, like this, if you attach a big heavy thing to the end of that cord, which... 99 times you're not but if you were it's just gonna the core is just gonna eventually slowly pull away from the thing and then you're not gonna be plugged in anymore all right yeah 
You learn something every day. Yeah. The only, um, so in residential, like, here we go. In residential uh, electricity, that's not the right word. You're talking about like wiring for Wiring, yeah. So if you see an upside down jack in a home, uh, it means that it's on a switch. Okay. Just so you guys know, it's like that, that's that's that. the way that that um, they used to delineate that jack is on a or that plug is on a switch because it's upside down. So I wish they still did that. I wish they did that too, or I wish that nobody put things on plugs because why? Yeah, that's mine. It's just like the plug should just always be on. It's just you turn the thing on or off connected to the plug. Yeah, I mean we invented the clapper to solve this problem. It shouldn't be happening mm-hmm. anymore. True that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we went through a lot of, I thought silly, but it turns out eh, somewhat common questions about uh, how to wire Cat6 Jack and all that sort of stuff. And JJ was very gracious about it. And I've tested it all and it all works perfectly. So I now have my own little patch panel in my home. Nice. That's the, yeah. those questions are totally normal and you would encounter any person looking to mess with cables in their home would ask the same questions. So don't feel bad. Absolutely. Like what is the yeah, difference never... between the A and the B thing? Guess what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it kind of doesn't matter is what it turns out, but I've never done anything like that before. Like splicing wire and all that sort of stiff stuff. I mean, it's, it's tedious and my fingers hurt after and all that kind of thing. But yes. Like, people make it into a big deal. And if, if you kind of understand it, like, or ask a lot of questions so you do, then it's not as big as it sounds. A big job. Did you have a crimper or did you borrow one? Oh, so the... Um, I I have not crimped yet. I did all this stuff into uh, R40, into- RJ45 jacks. Okay, so you've done the end plate. You haven't made the... the thing I that's- haven't made patch cable yet. That's what I'm asking. Okay. Yeah. So I have to do patch cable next, but I already have 5E patch cables that I'm using. Yeah, and those work. They work all right for now, and I can do six when I'm ready to, like... Also, it turns out now that you have the stuff in the wall, the rest of it can literally wait, and you have 400 extra feet or whatever, whenever you have time. Yeah, exactly. For folks that mess up the patch cables 150 times. For folks that don't know, you buy this... Like, if you want to make your own Ethernet cables, by the way, uh, very cheap to do, uh, and very, well... Relatively cheap, not entirely cheap, right? Because I had to buy 500 feet of cable for 80 bucks. Yes, but now you have more cables than you could ever possibly use. <laughs> and you yeah. never buy another well, Ethernet cable as long I as you I fully live. expect, now that I've put this out in the world, that uh, multiple people of family are going to be like, hey, I'm really doing my house. You want to come run some Cat6 cable? Yeah, probably. Uh-huh. And friends, too, you know, yeah. when they buy homes. It's a thing, man. It's a it's a good plan, and like even if you end up not using it most of the time, having it and not needing it is better than needing it and not having it. Oh, and I definitely need it, right? Because uh, my PC doesn't even have Wi Fi, so big problem. <laughs> mm, I mean, well, I like stable and uh, fast internet. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was my uh, life minute, so that we can talk about Baldur's Gate for five hours now. All right. So, you guys, <laughs> did either of you guys watch this thing? The trailer? Or, well, the trailer first and then the, like, gameplay demos that have come out since. So, I I got to watch the trailer, but that is as far as I got. Uh, I did not get to watch any of the gameplay demos, although I intended to. 
I think that the gameplay demo time that I did get to see, my time being limited with this house project, mm-hmm. uh, looked a lot like um, fancy Diablo 3. Fancier Diablo 3. Okay. So we're talking about Baldur's Gate 3 here, I guess, for the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is... Baldur's Gate is like a boomers series RPG. <laughs> Whoa. The game, the game is Whoa. old, dude. The last well, the game, version the game of Baldur's Gate it's... released in 1998. Okay, that's old. But, but it's it's based on um, Dungeons and Dragons, and yes, more it... directly than anybody ever has been based on Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right, and in fact, it is not just directly based. It is a officially licensed Dungeons and Dragons thing. It's yeah. it takes place in the Forgotten Realms. Baldur's Gate is a town. Maybe we could get some drizzed. Uh, Drizzt is in Baldur's Gate too. <laughs> I know <laughs> like, you can actually meet him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's in the current continuity. No. Uh, but I, I don't know if you guys know, but Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition is really popular. You know what it reminds me of more than uh, it reminds me of like the promise of what Dragon Age One was. So, uh, f- funny you say that, say that actually, this game Uh-oh. reminds me of what, uh, so it's being made by a company named Larian Studios, uh, makers of Divinity, Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, by the way, one of the greatest game RPGs out there today. Uh, people should Yo, play that successful sit- Kickstarters, by the way. Absolutely. Both of those were, um, Despite being a proud backer of both of those games, I recommend anyone play Original Sin 2. That game is great. It requires no knowledge of Original Sin 1. It takes takes place like a thousand years in the future or something and mm-hmm. is a wonderful game. People should play that game. It's really, really good. Nice. Uh, so Larian Studios made that game. And the way the CEO got a CEO founder, I don't know what his name project his name is uh like title actually is but chief founding officer no his, that's finance his name is uh his name is swen vinka with an e at the end i don't know they, they're in belgium uh <laughs> i don't know i don't know how you pronounce belgish names belgish belgish that's not it that's not it dragon that's not belgish belgian mm. belgian belgian yeah okay. anyway uh, the way he tells the story is that... I speak French in Belgium. Okay. That doesn't help me because I don't speak French. <laughs> okay. Uh, the way he tells the story, uh, which I've heard related on podcasts and things, is that they made Original Sin 1, and they went to Wizards of the Coast, and they're like, hey, you guys should give us the Baldur's Gate license. Look at this Divinity Original Sin game. It did really well. Also, we would love to make this game. We've been dreaming about it for like years people on our staff love D&D all this stuff and cool. Wizards Wizard, the people you want to make a game Wizards was like eh, I don't know we'll see eh, not ready to do this now bye <laughs> and then Larian went and made Divinity Original Sin 2 right and right. everything was bigger and better the systems were more refined the combat and the writing was different it was a really like way more interesting game to play and in the meantime, the founder keeps asking the wizards, like, hey, what about, look at this one. What about this? <laughs> and the wizard guys are like, hmm, yeah, this looks pretty good. And then, you know, right before the game is about to launch, I guess, 
uh, Original Sin 2, right? Because they'd gone through early access and done all this stuff. Uh, right before the game is about to launch, he gets a call from the business guys at Wizards of the Coast. They're like, I'm going to show this. Do you still want to do that game? I'm going to show you your the or show the management the idea you sent me before. Like, are you still in for this? And he's like, absolutely, yes. Got on a plane to Seattle that night, <laughs> turned around, <laughs> was there for the pitch meeting or whatever. It went really well. Looking at Divinity Original Sin 2, they based, like, it was really great. that Everyone really liked it. And yeah. now they are developing this game. I mean, this looks really good. I uh, Since you started talking, I was like, I, you know, it's unfair of me to comment without saying, like, I've seen a lot of the data, but it does. It really reminds me of the Dragon Age system. So, Original Sin has a lot of, like... The original Dragon Age system. I see a lot of Original Sin 2 in this this gameplay demo. Mm-hmm. The way the characters take actions, like the look of the cursor, the how the rounds and turn-based combat move. Like I definitely see a lot of the DNA there, but wow, it looks way better. Like they just Dude, turned so all the visuals way up. Graphics straight to 11. Yeah. And the they took the so the game is modeled on fifth edition D D, which I have not personally played, but I know that a lot of people really, really, really like. Like I think someone was telling me that it's the most popular not only the most popular D D like edition, which I mean it's the newest one, and that I guess it makes some sense that that would be more popular than the older ones, but it's like more popular than all the older ones combined. Man. So, like, D&D is having a up, renaissance these days. I mean, straight up, this is, like, D&D. This is the D&D watching, rule set. I'm watching this, and, like, you know, his cursor's moving inside squares, just like in Battletech. It's just hidden. You know, the squares are hidden. So, and, that's not true. In Original Sin 2, it's kind of like free movement within, like, radiuses. I see, yeah. and But the radiuses are essentially squares, right? It's like you have your character has a stat that shows how fast they can move or whatever. Yeah. And then you get that much distance and wherever that takes you, if it's on top of a box or, you you know, over rocks or whatever, you just have to pay those costs. Popping up above this guy's head when he goes up and down the stairs and stuff is saying difficult terrain above his head. Mm-hmm. All sorts of stuff like that where you'd maybe accept, you know, accept that being done in the background. But instead, it's just like popping it up. Yeah, Straight up in the game. Uh, or, and like later in the demo, there's a part where he walks over like a grease trap on the floor and it says like saving throw passed and he like doesn't fall over, you know, Oh wow. Um, or there's cases uh, where you can tell that like uh, like a, a, a switch just appears on the wall, right? It's like, oh, like clearly he passed a perception check or something and the, sh- and the switch just appears like, oh, he noticed that it, the, the, the flip switch to turn off the trap was on the wall, right? Yeah. So like the kind of stuff that would happen when you were playing D and D, you know, you're like, well, but also like he's unlocking this door and it's, or he's trying to talk to somebody through this door and it's like, make a deception check and the whole screen turns into a die. <laughs> yeah. So the, the conversation system is super cool in this. Like, uh, it's from the, the gameplay demo they gave, right. You expect in RPGs and even in like the games that Larian has made before, when you talk to a, a character, you have like maybe four or five responses, right? It's like, oh, here's the like good aligned choice. Here's the like kind of evilish one. Here's the a funny one. Here's like a, I'll do what you want, but please pay me more kind of option. You know, those kind of things. And it's like not they may be well written or interesting, but there's not a lot of like 
different, truly different paths you can take the conversation down. In the conversations they showed in this, uh, he was playing as a vampire uh, spawn, which is a like D and D thing, but basically like a person who used to be in thrall to a vampire lord, but due to unfortunate circumstances related to mind flares, now is no longer, <laughs> and is able to go out in the sunlight. Uh, also because of that mind flare situation. Ooh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And one of the options, like, you know, you're talking to this character, right. And it's like, oh, I don't want to let on that I'm a vampire and you can just try and deceive your, you know, like there's like a hello, like a a courteous, like, you know, I don't trust you kind of option. And then there's a straight up like lie to your friend option. (laughs) And then like six other options, like there's like 10 options available just on the first, like, hello screen. And like, that's a surprising amount of different paths that your character could take down just this like early conversation thing. And I'm curious what you see here when you look at the combat versus I thought original sin was live combat. I remember dragon age was live combat. No, this this, is turn-based. Yes. It's all turn-based and original sin. Both original sins are also turn-based. Oh, I thought the original sin was the one that, Later on in development, added in patch or something, the ability not to do or to do. So I I think you're thinking of Pillars of Eternity. Oh, Pillars of Eternity. Which is a famed uh, system that used the real time with pause kind of combat (laughs) system, which is what Baldur's Gate 2 had. So, I mean, somewhat controversially, I guess, they aren't doing that system here. It's straight turn based. And. He, uh, someone asked that question to him at like a PAX Q&A or something and was like, hey, like, you know, is there going to be a real time with pause option, you know, or is this just straight turn based? He's like, it's oh, the game is turn based. The D&D rules translate better into a turn based system. So that's what we went with. And also we have made turn based games before. You know, we don't want to start over making some new real-time with pause thing that we've never tried. <laughs> Our Divinity Original 2 engine is... Uh, it's, turn-based. A tur- it's turn-based. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Michael, what's your what's your experience with D&D? Because I know JJ and I used to play this, like, Saturday nights for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched all the episodes of Stranger Things. Okay. Kate. Have you uh, ever no, played I, D&D? No, I have never played D&D. Do you know like what a mind flare is besides what Stranger Things told you? I feel like I looked it up when they introduced it in Stranger Things to see what it actually is, but now I don't really remember what I looked up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because of Stranger Things or because mind flare? It, did it flay that knowledge out of your mind? <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. <laughs> I think all the explosions at the end of season two rocked it out of his brain. Gosh, very possible. Uh, so I'm <laughs> curious, then, Michael, y- you watched this uh, or parts of this, uh, like the intro movie and stuff. Is this did you watch does the this trailer or the whatever the intro video? Yeah, I watched the intro cinematic. Okay. Does it look interesting to you? It does. It does. I always, you know, I, I'm a sucker for a good intro cinematic. Um, and, and I got the same impression from the cinematic that Andy seems to have gotten from, uh, from watching some of the gameplays that it, it definitely reminded me of the first Dragon Age. 
Oh, yeah. So, so interesting that both you guys go there, because it doesn't look like it plays anything like that Dragon Age game at all. So, I, you know, my that opinion might change for me on seeing how the, the actual game plays. Did you play that first Dragon Age, Dragon Age Origins? Yes. Origins. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That game was good. It was. I had one big complaint with that game, but... Ooh, I, I want to know. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> My complaint was that there was no way, there was zero way to grind. So the the game was linear story progression. It took you through it. You you had your combat. You leveled up your characters. You made skill tree choices, but there was no way to to get more experience or to really respec your characters. So once you made a choice, you were kind of locked into it. And if you got stuck because you had spec yourself poorly. There was no good way to get yourself unstuck. Yeah, yeah. The, the respec thing is definitely a problem with that game. Yeah, I mean, that existed all the way through those earlier Bioware games. I think Dragon True. Age was the beginning of uh, understanding of changing of the guard of how to play those types of RPGs and options to give people. Yeah, Mass Effect suffers from similar problems in that if you yeah, you know, definitely pick a certain way, you can't really change later. Oh, and, uh, you know, the Jedi, both the Jedi games have that problem, too. Yeah, KOTOR for sure, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, th- that's very interesting, because, like, this stuff where, like, you're, you click on the deception check, and then it straight up rolls a D20 in the middle of your screen, like, <laughs> that looks interesting to you? I just like because like I have the nostalgia for rolling a D20 while playing D&D and I don't know that people that haven't are interested in that. That's the it's like interesting to me that you would think that it's cool, which great, I guess. I I find I find humor in it and I think that's what draws me in. Huh. I wonder how many hours in the humor will <laughs> wear off on a lot and, of people. <laughs> and by the time it does, it might be that the game itself has has hooked people. Dude, they got teleporting dragons in this game. I'm in. Yeah, there's uh, dragons chasing a giant mind flare ship, a tadpole that goes in through your eye. Uh, it, it's oh, really yeah, Star, a... Star Trek vibes there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just a different, you know, uh, location than the mind flare in Stranger Things, right? Right, so that one's the ear. Stranger right? Things just went in through the where through the mouths or something. Yeah, I think you see it in a few different remember. places, right? Anyway, I don't uh, remember. It it is just shocking to me how much better that game looks than Divinity Original Sin Two, man. And, and like in the conversations, the screen will like tilt in, and it almost looks like a like a third person action game or something. Like, you get, like, up-close personal, like, with the characters and facial capture, voice well, lines, everything. that's what reminded everything. me also of, of Dragon Age, right? Dragon Age was Yeah, that's right. So Dragon different. Age did stuff like that, right? Yeah, but it was so different than um, Diablo in that aspect, right? Like, yeah, it all, it all everything kind of looks like Diablo because Diablo kind of set the tone and they all did that isometric third, you know, person above thing. Um, but pulling in like that was the new thing in Dragon Age, I think, overall. And uh, and having those conversation trees and all that sort of thing, Bioware really opened that up. And then seeing it here and done with where, like, it popped in on that guy that you, you're following him through and he's looting bodies and stuff. And then he starts, starts talking to somebody through a door. And I was like, whoa, 
the textures are just as good up close. <laughs> yeah. The uh interestingly, uh that conversation tree stuff is like stuff from the nineties or something. Like Bioware didn't invent that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Like, not. It was in the original yeah. Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate two, all absolutely. that had those. But stuff. like the the idea of making a mini cutscene and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely bringing it in and making it a cutscene for every conversation or whatever. Yeah. They Larian has said every conversation is voiced in this game, which is that seems like a lot of dialogue to me. <laughs> um especially if it has to account for all these different options. Um and uh one choice near the end of the demo, he says as the you go to the camp, which they didn't show in the gameplay video I was watching, but he talked about it because they ran out of time. He says you go to the camp screen and like, you know, you, you can rest and, you know, re-memorize your spells, that kind of D&D type stuff you do at a camp. But as the vampire character, one of the options uh, that or one of the things that can happen to you is you have the thirst, you know, for blood. Uh, and if that happens to you while you're at the camp, you got to make a decision. Are you going to bite your bite your friends? Uh, can you eat animals? Uh, I don't know what the options are, like what available choices you have. Certainly, you can try to resist the thirst, but then I imagine you got to roll a dice. Ooh. What happens if you roll bad? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, what happens if you go to bite them and then you roll bad again and you, like, drink all their blood? <laughs> I think they die. <laughs> I think that's how that works in D&D, or they become a slave or something. I'm not sure you the- can you make mini vampires as the vampire? Yeah, I don't know what the, like, that's a D&D question. I don't know what the, like, D&D rules about vampires making vampires are. Um, If you know. Yeah, that's podcast. this question. That is podcast at wewerogamers.com. Uh, and that is cool. Like, I I like that just, that's just, like, one race. There's, like, ten other races that you can be in D&D, right? You could be a tiefling and end up half demon. You can be a, ro- you can be a uh, human. You can be a... Half dragon elf born dragon dragon kin. Dragon kin. Yes, right? I think that's what they call them, right? Dragonkin. Yeah, dragonkin. Yeah. Human dragons, Michael. Gotcha. Yeah, people with like dragon heads. Uh, you yeah, know, they have dragon heads but human bodies, and they showed like, like elves and dwarves and you know the the usual type races out there. So you know, it looks like they're doing the whole thing, man. It's like uh, the impression that. I got from watching the video was they accounted for like way more things than you would have thought they did. Uh, so one other scene from the gameplay demo that I thought was really cool. He goes into like what is super obviously a haunted tomb. <laughs> you know, he's like, Oh, big, like church look dilapidated church looking thing. And like, there's skeletons all over the ground. You're like, all right, I know what's going to happen here. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, and the guy doing the demo, of course, has played it like 500 times. And so he also knows what's going to happen here. Uh, but he has decided at this point to like break because you can separate your party. Right. And he's left like half of his party members outside. And his why would bro- you do that? Because he wanted to. You okay. can. He So he only yeah, has he only has his ma- this main vampire rogue character. And so knowing that there's a bunch of skeletons here who are going to attack him at some point. Right. He goes over to the, each of the skeletons' bodies and loots their weapons and throws them across the room. <laughs> and he goes up to the, like the skeleton archer and picks up its bow, which is like not good. It's a bad bow, but like you know, four skeletons with bows is better than one guy. So he goes and grabs the bow and throws it all over there. He grabs the the sword and throws it over there, and like, goes and grabs the other one's bow and throws it on on the other side of the room. And he's like, 
this works now. I don't know that this is going to help me in the final version when the AI designers have seen this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, you know, he goes and messes with the tomb or whatever, and obviously all the skeletons jump up. But then they have to spend a turn going and grabbing their weapons (laughs) to uh, shoot at him. In the meantime, he took one of those, like, uh, speed potions or whatever and has, like, run halfway out of the room before the skeletons can attack him. I feel like they shouldn't change that. It's cool that it's an option, right? Uh, Right. I mean, like, the first time through a game, you might not think to, like, loot everybody and take their weapons away. I mean, you wouldn't, right? If you know to strategize like that because you've played that kind of game before. I guess, but it's not like... I mean, even though I've played that kind of game before, just running up on bodies in places, I'm not always going to think it's a trap. Yeah, exactly, right? Especially, like, it depends how many times they've conditioned you to just be like, hey, there are dead skeletons on the ground with swords. Like, that's just a normal thing that happens in a dungeon where people have died. Right. Yeah. Uh, They also showed... So the the game is turn-based, right? And the combat is turn-based, and they show that you can go into turn-based mode. When you're not in combat, right, everything just moves smoothly. You don't have to, like, wait for rounds or anything. But you can go into the turn-based mode outside of combat if you want to do like sneaking for instance like you want to creep up on bad guys to get the jump on them or whatever (laughs) okay and at that point the game he says the game moves in six second slices that must be a dnd thing because like why such a like specific amount of time i'm sure it's a dnd thing like one round or something yeah there was a there was definitely a um starting with the addition with the cards they quantified the amount of time that actions take because people were like, I do this, 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 and this all at the same time. And I pass all my checks. And it's like, it would physically take you four and a half, five seconds to do one of those things. And you're doing all of them on your turn. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just cause your stats are that high. Doesn't, doesn't mean you can physically break the rules of time. Right. Unless right. you're a wizard and then you can. So I, a lot of the turn things were, what can you do in X seconds? So yeah. I remember that, that being a thing. So that makes sense. Uh, but then they, so he uses it as a reason to show you that like, Hey, you could have sneaked through this dungeon and like the patrolling guards or whatever. You can just wait for them to be out of sight and use your shadow movement to step over to this part or put out the torches. And so their vision radius goes down and you can sneak by them and that kind of stuff. Uh, like, just straight up being like, hey, you want to, like, you know, go sneak into a tomb and rob it? That's, like, totally a thing you can do in this game. <laughs> like, you know, a D&D game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, super, super cool. Um, I cannot be more excited for this thing than really any game that's come out in maybe a really long time. I have not heard you this excited in a while. What would you guys say if I told you this game was coming to early access? Is that just like pre-release now, based on the size of that studio? So, what they have done with the last two games, right? The Original Sin came out in Early Access and Original Sin 2, and they followed basically a similar trajectory, right? They put it into Early Access with like the first act, quote-unquote, of the game, and then like they basically use it as like giant beta test. But, like, not like a Blizzard beta test where basically everything is decided already and, like, they're just going to make some minor changes on the back and, like, call it good. This is, like, a real one where they, like, say, hey, like, what do you guys think about these classes and stuff? And then they 
take all that feedback and then make massive changes to the way all the classes work <laughs> before huh. release. It's, it's a version 0.25 and not a version 0.95. Yes, exactly. Uh, Original Sin 2, when it went into, uh, had the first act or like half of the first act or something in the uh, early access version. And half of the classes that ended up in the game weren't in the game when it was went into early access. They iterated on the ones that were there. All the skills, or a bunch of the skills, ended up working differently than they were. And then like, they, do, they do the normal stuff, like balance changes, like, oh, okay, this fight is actually super hard. Like, it's way, way too difficult. We need to tone that down. Or this one skill literally just destroys every single monster that's way too good. That mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so I, they have said that they're going to do that with this game as well. And I assume that their plan, you know, again, who knows what they will say, but I assume their plan is to do something like that and then, you know, figure out all the balance problems here so that in theory, by the time it releases, it's less unbalanced, which yeah. I, I say less because original sin two, then after like, you know, two or three months worth of release got giant balance changes throughout the entire game anyway. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's one of those things where like people all gravitate to what is the best skills and best builds or whatever right and if there's one thing that's just like way more powerful than everything else they can't let that be if they want you to have fun trying stuff right yeah so i i am torn though because like i don't know if i want to play it in early access I just, if i just want to wait like follow the development updates and then just like wait to play it you know yeah i'm kind of personally i liked doing the battle tech early access that we got with our Kickstarter, mm -hmm. but I'm starting to be inundated with too much to do and too much, not enough uh, time yeah. to do it all to take a game that I'm kind of like, okay, well, that's fine. At least in like the Blizzard beta uh, version of the world, you kind of like, if you put in the time, you know, the game is mostly going to be the same. Mm -hmm. It's in theory possible that some of your data is actually going to carry over. There's a lot of benefit to playing in a Blizzard beta that maybe an early access game is not going to float to you as as much. Um, and especially when it's like this where they're going to change so much. I think it's valuable for people that are really into the game to do because they'll understand the nuances of what's broken, what's not working right, what should be working better that I'm not going to know. Like, yeah, I might find a bug. Right. Where I'm like, hey, the textures don't load in in this part of the map. But beyond that, I'm not going to have super duper, yeah. like, D&D &D notes for them of, like... Right, like, that's my... Vampire class should be X percent stronger versus this type of monster or whatever. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff where, like, I am not a detailed player of games like that. So how am I going to see, like... Oh, actually, when you are a vampire attacking a goblin, you should have a plus two racial modifier, and therefore my chance to hit should be this instead of this. Like, that's the kind of bugs that I I can't, like, I'm not detail-oriented enough to potentially ever see, right? Like, you could tell me that that system was working fine, and I would just believe you, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's the kind of stuff you would find with a beta test, right? With, like, 10 million people looking at it as opposed to, like, mm -hmm. you know the 50 or whatever in-house so yeah i just uh i don't have time to be a beta tester right now <laughs> michael did you play any of the bloodstained backer early access thing did you get that 
No, I didn't support it at a high enough level to be uh, to be in the early access stuff. Okay. That you supported it at a high enough level to get that email this morning, though. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that went out to everybody who backed it. But some exciting news there. Why don't you? You're gonna have to fill people in. Yeah. Let's let's learn, Michael. Yeah. So originally, well, I guess it started off with a little bit of bad news. Actually, they 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 hit us with the bad news first before dropping something surprising on us. Um, the original plan was they were going to introduce um, roguelike elements into the game. So procedural generation of some of the environments. And it sounded from the update like that was not going to be feasible in the end because the version of the code that they had written the roguelike for was incompatible with the final version of the code. That sounds odd, but I'm not a programmer. It was, my, it was the brief synopsis they gave. My guess was they got it working to a certain point, and then were like, all right, we'll come back to this later, made the rest mm-hmm. of the game, and forgot about the roguelike stuff. We're like, oh, yeah, we need to do this. Went back and looked at that code, and we're like, ooh, this isn't gonna work. We'd have to scrap this and start all over. And then maybe they looked at it and were like, actually, this stuff isn't that fun. I don't know if people really wanted this anyway. And then they oh, came... Likes are fun. I, procedural generation in a Metroidvania is... Mm, I don't know that I want that. Okay, fair enough. I, I think crafting where you go is half of the fun of the game. Yeah. But okay. Yeah, I, I like the way that they set up the castle and all of its different environments. Maybe I'm, a game that would that be planned that way from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be a thing. So then came the good news. Andy, what if instead of changing the castle, they told us that we could change everything else? This is now a randomizer podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. I Look. Uh, I got a little bit of time to myself on Sunday. And if I could make Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order into a randomizer after I finish this playthrough, I would do it. What is there to randomize? This is like a, it's the same as, um, as like a Dark Souls and stuff. Like your, your robot and stuff has powers it needs to get through certain doors. So, like, if you want your scomp link or your overcharge or whatever else, you have to find the workbench that has it. Got it. Okay. Because uh, I was like, you're not like you're finding weapons and st- armor and stuff, which is the thing that the Dark Souls randomizer flips around. Well, I guess it also yeah, does, really, like, keys and stuff, too. Yeah, really, the only thing would be keys and enemies, I guess, that you could randomize in Star Wars. Oh, no, that's not true. Um, force powers. You yeah, to sure. Unlock force powers as the game goes on, so you could unlock those in the wrong order or something. That could be interesting. The so I'm so they announced they're going to do this for Bloodstained, right? That's the the kick of the email, Michael. Yep. Yeah, and so they included along with it, they include a snapshot of the randomizer menu, and it looks like there's a whole lot of customization that you can do. So you can pick your end point of the game, uh, which one of the the different endings will be your the goal that you're racing towards. Uh, and then there's a whole lot of different options for the things that you can shuffle around, be they regular items or key items or enemy drops. You can even move the save and warp rooms around, which I found interesting. 
Yeah, I'm curious how that would work. Like, w- move them where? So they must be. Th- that must be some little nod to the roguelike, where it those rooms are coded in such a way that they just tack them onto like corners or edges of the map. Huh. Yeah, it, it moves them randomly around. Because like that's a, to me, those are the thing that like. Half the reason those being laid out where they are is what makes the traversal either difficult or not difficult in a section, right? Right. And, like, if you can randomize the enemies, first off, randomizing the enemies is already dangerous enough, depending on who you get, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, I put this enemy from some of the, like, very late game areas right at the gate to the castle. Have fun. <laughs> like, still no. I noticed, I noticed that's the one thing that it doesn't look like they randomize are the enemy locations. You can randomize the enemy drops. Oh. But I didn't see enemies in the in the image of that menu. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so if you can't randomize the enemies, that, like, removes a really annoying potential feature. <laughs> uh, right. And so you're guaranteed to have, like, a, like, some, like, there's a chance that you will be able to get through here and you're just using the Kung Fu shoe or whatever the, like, first drop you get is. Kung Fu shoe. I think that's the first one, right? Don't you get a shoe weapon some, first? Yeah, I love that. It is a shoe weapon that's right off the bat. Um, but with the enemies, I bet you'd have problems with uh, spacing of some of those giant enemies at the end. In oh, right. Passageways. Yeah, there's that whole zone where everything is, like, four times size. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about all that. Yeah. That makes sense actually. So that but then like the other options you get are like hey, do you want to randomize like the movement power locations or like leave those alone but randomize the items, randomize the items and the movement powers, but like maybe not the quest drops or everything completely random or some yeah, in between set of those. One of the check boxes is literally called chaos. Yeah. What a great name. <laughs> it should always be chaos. Yeah. And, and like, it, the way the menu seemed laid out, it looked like it would let you mix and match all of these various parameters, which could create some, like, truly interesting races and stuff if you really wanted to do the, like, okay, I don't want to play, like, a super long game, so we'll just go to, like, the quick ending, and then all this stuff is, like, set on chaos, so you have to be, you know, maybe only three or four bosses to get there, but, like, good luck if you can't find the double jump until, like, your fifth boss or whatever. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I need so double I'm, jump. That's what I need. I am excited to both play this and watch races of people playing the same seed. Do you yes. think that um, Bloodstain seems to have seems to have a pretty large following? Do you think that that's going to be a regular staple of the speed running community? Hard to say. I know the um, like the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past randomizer was super popular. It's pretty popular. <laughs> But that game is also super popular, and, like, I don't know that Bloodstained is as popular as that game. There is also a a Symphony of the Night randomizer, right? I think so. There is. Uh, I don't know that that is as popular as base Symphony of the Night. So, again, it's like, this is a thing they're adding in a free update you're going to get some amount of people who are going to be like, oh, I'll check back in on this for mm-hmm. to see this thing. But, you know, is it going to drive, like, a bunch more people to suddenly replay this game? Hard to say. 
Okay. But I guess they are. They did say they're adding a new character, right? Like a playable character? Yes. So they have been planning, I think, pretty much since the beginning um, to add Zengetsu as a playable character. He's one of the characters who you meet along the way. Uh, he's kind of important to the to the progressing the storyline at certain points. Mm-hmm. And I guess that they have been intending to insert him as a playable character. Not sure how they'll work that into the story. Yeah, I wonder if, like, you then see Miriam at certain points as in the story, right? Like, Zangetsu shows up and then, like, flies away off screen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and then I you guess. don't, yeah, you don't run into him again for a while. Yeah. You've got to fight him a couple of times, actually. So, yeah, he's a boss. Do you fight yourself? Does it flip and you fight Miriam? Yeah, great question. And, like, because of a certain specific thing that you get from Zangetsu, like an item you need to get to the end game. Do you just start with that item? Well, if you, if you turn on the randomizer, who knows? Yeah, true, true. There you go. Right. So I think that's super cool. Uh, a good way to make good on a, what would otherwise be a failed Kickstarter promise. Um, and yeah, I, I hope that comes out really cool. They didn't really say when it's coming out though. Did they? They did not give a date on that one, but they did say that those two updates would both be free and that they would launch together. Okay. So that's like a pretty sizable content drop for you there, both randomizing and the, uh, what do you call it? The, the new Zangetsu character. Yeah. I just, I hope, I, my one real hope for this is that they will let you take a completed save file and randomize yourself a new game plus. Because mm. that that would make for a fun race, right? Everybody is just kind of you. I don't know. If what would you randomize if you already had all the powers and stuff? Though. Yeah, that's my question. Also, finding the powers still, is the fun, or half the fun, yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's true. You could still you could still randomize the key drops, right? So you can't you yeah, and you're just racing to get to the end first. Okay. Yeah. I think it's cool that they're building in stuff like, hey, it's automatically timed for you and you can pick your endpoint so you don't have to play through the whole true ending thing, which I mean, you know, the true ending is part of the game, but also is like a bunch of extra dungeons that are not necessarily easy, but, you know, again, not required in order to beat the game. So like you could choose to do do the like get to the top of the castle and kill the Dracula equivalent and be done. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's. I, a- I also like that that unlike some Kickstarters, they didn't just say, "Hey, we told you we were going to try and do this cool thing, but that's not going to happen." Instead, they said, "Hey, this cool thing isn't going to happen, but here's this other cool thing we think you'll like." Yeah, they at least tried huh. to do a make good right, which is yeah, it's. Showing that they're still there, which is good. Nice. Well, uh, I don't know what else you guys have been up to. I have been still working my way through Warcraft 3 Reforged, uh, the campaigns. Are you ready to ask for a refund yet? And why? I'm still playing. I haven't even finished the Blood Elf campaign. I've done the three main campaigns from uh, Reign of Chaos, right? You're getting what you wanted. Yeah, I'm getting what I wanted. I played through the, uh, what is the the first one after that? The Sentinel campaign, right? With Maev and wanting to put Elodin back in jail. That's her whole deal. 
and now I'm playing the Blood Elf campaign with Kael'thas and those guys, and the Naga are in there. <laughs> it's such a mess. I don't even know. The I lore is so weird. Back. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Is like I can't think about going back and trying to make sense of it these days. They go to Outland all of a sudden, and they're like, "Oh no, we're lost in the Hellfire Peninsula." <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, what? Uh, um, this is a big zone. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, it's real interesting. Um, I'm still liking it. Uh, there was a, there's a tower defense mission though. Those are fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tower defense. Cool. TD. Yeah. Blizzard made tower defense. You know, we could go for a new tower defense I think there hasn't been one that's really broken through in a while. People are still making them. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that yeah, there's popular ones that anymore, but they're definitely still There was still a heyday them. of them when Warcraft 3 was alive, and there just hasn't been... I mean, there's been a bunch of fun ones. I've had some for my phone that are great, but I just mm-hmm. don't feel like there's been one that's like mainstream broken through. Yeah, I feel like they all kind of moved to mobile because it's really easy to play that kind of a game on a phone. Oh, shit. Yeah, of course. We're not interested in playing Plants vs. Zombies again for the 15th time. Look, Plants vs. Zombies was a very innovative and fun TD when it came out. I I have 100%ed that game twice, at least. And then Plants vs. Zombies 2, though. And then... 100% Look, I don't... What's yeah, that? exactly. When you could 100% a TD. When you could 100% a TD. Yeah, right. Exactly. Before it was free to play. I paid $15 for that game twice. Right, because I wanted it, I wanted it on my PC when it came out on PC, and then they were like, "Hey, we put it on Xbox." I was like, "Okay, cool, I'll pay for it again." That was fun. I hundred percent it in both places, and then Plants vs Zombies two came out, and I said, "You're dead to me." <laughs> I said it like that. By the way, hold on. Did either of you see Lego Movie two? Which yes. yeah, the second one. Yeah, I I just saw it. And I, I you, hadn't, you hadn't seen it? Welcome no. to the club. No one told me Bruce Willis was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I seem I seem to recall JJ and I, we discussed that on the pod and intentionally avoided mentioning that. Yeah, we didn't say that part, I'm pretty sure. No one told me Bruce Willis <laughs> was in that movie as Bruce Willis from Die Hard, but also just Bruce Willis. It's it's a great it's a great little moment. I I hang out in air ducts. <laughs> so good. I I feel like that's not a spoiler at this point. But yeah, somehow I missed that one. I needed a little bit of time off from this house project, and we watched Lego Movie Two, and that was uh was worth the time. Lego Movie Two is good. It was a good movie surprisingly better than I thought it would be considering I knew the twist when I looked at the poster for the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. You know? I don't know. I I got... I could tell you what that was going to be from the beginning. And it still didn't matter. That's what I like about movies that have twists. If you can't trick me, don't try. Just make it not matter. Make the I, movie good enough. I right. think it's impressive that they were able to follow up a movie, the first Lego movie, which had like an all-time great twist, right? Like the oh, end yeah, of that very good. The end of that movie is unbelievably good. And, and them following it up. Now you already know the thing 
and still making a good movie despite that is like impressive. Yeah, I mean they get a little out there this time around, but well, it's still you know, good. It's a sequel; they got to do more. Sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. Great movie, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think there's only like two more things, two quick things I want to talk about. Hey, okay. we talked about uh, TV last time a little bit for like a brief minute. Uh, the Witcher TV, which, yeah. man, don't that there's nudity in that, by the way. Uh huh. There is. <laughs> there's a lot. There's yeah. Game of Thrones had nudity, and this is like, well, what about boobs, though? You know, like they're definitely asking you, what about boobs in this show? I feel like though, if you knew anything about the games, I get it, but I didn't get it because I played mostly the card game. Ah, and mm-hmm. so JJ, there's a scene where Yennefer takes over uh, the mayor's house. Uh huh. I know what you're talking uh-huh. about. What about boobs, then, though? Yeah. What about what about if she just yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, when we watched The Witcher, my wife commented on this. Also, it was like kind of a lot of sex and nudity in this show. It was like yeah. I mean, it felt like The Witcher to me because it also, the games are that way. Okay. But like also kind of a lot <laughs> for a Netflix show. Uh, it just was unexpected. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that's the jarring thing is that Netflix, at least in the genres of things I have watched on Netflix, has not delved this deep in that yeah. uh, that dungeon, let's say. Anyway, uh, hey. I didn't mean to derail your TV talk. Go ahead. Dungeon. Uh so the thing I wanted to point out was that uh, a show that all of us have watched on Netflix is Castlevania. Oh, it's back. Right? Today, tomorrow. Today? Tomorrow. This week. Sometime. This week. <laughs> As after of this, this recording. Yes. After this recording is out, I think like a day or two later, there will be a new season of Castlevania to watch. Are you guys Ooh. excited? Uh, yes, very much so. Get at me. Yeah. Those first two seasons were really, really good. So I the second am... season surprisingly better than the first because they had yes. more to do. Yes, way be- the second season way better than the first. I will argue the first season felt like an entire season of a pilot. Yes, the and second season was like we got stuff to do. They like they moved, man. Yeah. Laid down the groundwork. Let's go. But um, spoilers. Skip ahead one minute if you don't want to know. Season two is ending. And I literally mean just one minute. Uh, the guy is dead, so what are they going to do? <laughs> what is the deal, man? They killed Dracula, so, uh, you know, what are we going to do here? Uh, yeah. I guess his castle is still around, but... I guess so. Yeah. Uh, they set up some other bad guys. Of course, in, of course. There were a bunch of bad guys. Post, uh, yeah, so maybe they have to go chase them down or something. They didn't kill every vampire, you know? No, they did not. So, okay. I am super excited for that. Yeah. Uh, let's, I, let's do some Dracula. This this last week, I was like, oh, man. Like, eh. Uh, Dude, you got stuff to do. You oh, need I to got, watch more Iron-Blooded Orphan. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. Man. <laughs> uh, I'm almost done with season one. So. Dude, he texts Michael. <laughs> I've been texting the group about this show with no spoilers for months <laughs> as I finished it. And he gets through a pivotal episode of season one and just my phone blows up. 
I knew he knew, so I, I sent him the, the thing of, like, why they got to do this to this guy. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and he's yep. like, I told you, man. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, that show really goes for it, man. So it, I'm excited to see the ending. I've only got, yes. like, two episodes left, so. Uh, yeah, and the next season is there's a title shift beginning with what you just witnessed like it changes it doesn't it's not like anime we're like oh no this thing happened we're all different now there's a title shift in all the characters and how they behave now and it like really the show in season two goes a completely different direction than you would think like oh this is gundam Mm, okay but like not not so much anymore justifiably there's a change oh absolutely like okay. like you go oh it's okay. not just like they decided to do a different thing with the show now and they're doing something else well you know they're getting sucked into like world politics here right well yeah there's there's a lot of world politics out. stuff going on right uh so they're going to get dragged completely into the middle of it as a pawn of everybody right and so when that kind of stuff happens, like it just doesn't just reset at the new season into like, oh, sure. these characters are unchanged or whatever. Like season two is like, okay, so they're still in the middle of this. And do they want out of it? Do they not want out of it? Like what did, who do they want to be? Anyway, uh, that is different writing than any Gundam I've ever seen. So mobile suit Gundam, iron blooded orphans on Netflix. Now, Highest recommendations from this podcast. Oh, dude. I'm glad someone else is on board. I really felt <laughs> like maybe I'm too out there on this. He hasn't he hasn't I'm, been texting me like I thought he would about this show. I am just a really slow watcher of these things because I like to watch them subtitled, which means that I have to like pay attention and I can't just put it on on the side. Oh, okay. And so I have I can only watch like a episode or two a night or less generally because I like don't want to spend the time like to concentrate watching it. I and know this is blasphemy. The English voice actors are pretty good. Okay. No. I just, you know, I'm putting it out there. It's not like great. I I still wouldn't watch this show on the side. I tried because I thought it was Gundam and then I got to when they get into politics and I was like, oh, okay, hold on. We got to like pay attention here because there's a lot of new characters coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great show. People should watch it. So was Iron Blooded what your number two thing was, or was that not your number two? Oh no, that was my number two because number okay, one, good. number one like, was oh, no. Castlevania. I've run us out of time. Nah, it works out because number one was Castlevania. I mean, unless you want to talk about The Witcher, but I don't think we have enough time. So, um, no, I mean, we only have crawled a little bit further through. I mean, you know, you're not I done was. yet. So, right? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing to have happened was, um. Uh, you know, Geralt and Yennefer have their episode together. Got it. And that's kind of where we ended off. So. Yeah. What? Well, uh, so curious to see what you think when you finish that that show. I'm liking it. I, you know, I we have time for one small comment on The Witcher. Something that I didn't realize. I knew George R. R. Martin had changed the game when it came to fantasy. And a lot of people will, like, tell you it's because no character was safe, even though half the characters were always safe. Or, like, 
it's because it's uh, accessible fiction or like oh when you when uh, you, you know. approached it from the books though I don't think it was as obvious from the book end which characters are safe as it was from the TV show end yeah yeah hmm. fine something I didn't realize until we started watching this show and I was watching it was anything that exists in that world is flatly explained with common terms. So it's not like magic is just the word magic. It's not like there doesn't have to be a five minute explanation that chaos is magic and chaos has different this and that. It's just like, no, it's just like magic, dude. And like the factions are the Night's Watch, the, you know, whoever, like mm-hmm. the the gods, there's the drowned god, there's the dragon god, you know what I mean? Like the basic stuff, King's Landing. And then you watch The Witcher and, you know, they're talking about, like, in the Broccolon Forest are the Scoia'tael and the Dryads and the this and the that. And there's the Primal Powers and the Chaos Powers. And the th- and, and uh, I could just, I could see that we had to pause every few minutes so that somebody else's eyes didn't glaze over. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I didn't realize Martin had kind of tried to eschew that part of... Well, Very also standard tropes in Tolkien fiction. Yeah, I was going to say also Martin intentionally didn't include most of those tropes in his thing, right? Like Absolutely. That's Martin what I'm saying, is but... like, guess what? No elves. Yep. <laughs> also like by yeah. the way, no dwarves. Also right. like by the way, like forests are just where people live and cut down trees. Tolkien fiction is is heavy with like making sure you know that this world existed before you. Tolkien was a history guy that ended up writing some kids' books, not the other right. way around. <laughs> right. But everyone took that and ran with it. This of must course. be the fiction everyone wants to read. And we did. We did when we were kids. It does not bother me that I have to learn thousands of names every time I read a fiction book. Yes. Right? You know, like, yeah. okay, the Scoia'tael, the this, the that. Hey, guess what? Yeah. Scoia'tael are the elves. People don't like them. Right. You know? So, oh, Tol- like, yeah. So, exactly. Uh, exactly. Martin would just be like, elves, bro. Yeah, Martin uh, would just be like, humans, bro. There aren't any elves here. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Even though he had elves in there, he just didn't call them elves. Yeah, kind of. But then you also never see them, so yeah. are they really there? Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I'm very curious. We'll have a bigger, more in-depth discussion on The Witcher, maybe. We're getting there. It's just a, it's Someday. a slog. Yeah, I I know. It's not a slog because of the show. It's a slog. You're talking to a person who can't watch more than like one 30 minute episode of an anime. (laughs) (laughs) Watching a 58 minute uh, TV show. I get Uh, a shameless plug. You better be watching some Picard before we record on Friday. Oh, yeah. Uh, So look forward on your calendars, people of Earth, to March 13th when we'll air another Star Trek subpod that will have been a month and there will be a bunch of Picard talk on it oh my Lanta well can I just say Borg Borg Queen Borg Queen sure you can say that Borg Queen Borg Queen alright Michael Michael if people want to talk to us about Borg Queens The Witcher or Baldur's Gate 3 where can they do that People can email us at podcast at we were gamers. We love getting email from all of our listeners. We will read and respond to you, uh, most likely on the air. 
Um, we can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are We Were Gamers on all of those places. We can also be found on your podcasting app of choice. Uh, where are we? Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Hey, Google you can make it easier. If you haven't found us on a, a podcast player of choice, email us. Yeah, tell us where to go. We would be happy to do some of that. Uh, yeah. And if you just have like a music playing app like Spotify, we're on there too. So we will follow you wherever is convenient. Yeah. And if the idea of those Star Trek pods sounds good to you, then check us out on YouTube. Yes. They're not only on YouTube, but there is a playlist there where you can just click it and then the audio plays automatically for you in order in those episodes only convenient feature who knew I'm related orphans you know uh, has very few Gundams in it shockingly few honestly season two adds one that is the bomb